The Recovery Greenhouse is a podcast dedicated to the growth of ideas, concepts, and outlooks that support recovery and recovering communities. I'm Gerald Lott, your host and a person in long-term recovery. I'm also founder and executive director of Salt Valley Voices of Recovery, a recovery community organization serving Northwest Illinois. I'm a certified recovery sports specialist, entrepreneur, and a father. After a long list of careers, I found my calling in helping others to find sobriety and recovery. I work with many, many people and several addiction-related advisory boards every day, and my core belief is that people must make an effort to change their lives for recovery. The saying, no pain, no gain, is exactly correct. A person cannot experience significant changes in life without enduring, accepting, and often welcoming discomfort. It isn't the change that hurts, it's our resistance to it. And so, so you know, as I look at that concept, I, I, I often am struck by people who have taken the pain that they've gone through and turned it into something positive. And, and today my guest, uh, who I'm gonna be introducing you to in a moment is doing exactly that. And I, I'm really, really excited to, to get to learn more about him. His name is Clay Canfield. We met through Facebook which, you know, Facebook is the best thing on earth and the worst thing on earth. Um, but Clay reached out uh, because he saw that I had a sober home and a sober home group, and he was doing some work around sober homes. And so like you do when somebody reaches out to you, I went and I, I looked up his profile and it turned out that he had gone to the high school that was, uh, or the school because they're K through 12 that was like the main rival to my grammar school in Chicago. And so I, I sent them a, a snotty message like, leave me alone. I don't like you. You go to the, you went to the wrong school. But uh, he persevered and, and I, I believe we are now becoming friends and I'm really honored to know him. His name is Clay Canfield. How's it going, Clay? I'm doing well, Gerald. Thank you so much for for having me on. I'm uh very grateful that we were able to uh, connect and and get over our differences of going to uh, rival high schools, uh, one of which you graduated, uh, you know, a couple decades before. before <laughs> right, right, right. When 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 you know, it's it's always funny. Like, and you'll see, you're so you're so much younger, man. You got the world ahead of you, man. But you'll see, like, you'll go back by the school. And you'll be like, man, when I was there, the school was like on one block and now it's like a whole neighborhood, you know, it's, um, it's amazing. But I, I always felt like the two schools, uh, Francis Parker and Latin in Chicago, I always felt like even though they were kind of rivals because there was only really like four schools like that, right? Lab and North Shore Country Day, I think. So I always kind of felt like they were all kind of the same school anyway. So uh, I, I just wanted to say to you, I, even though you're a rival, I'm very proud of what you're doing, man. Keep keep doing the good work. So anyway, Thank you. appreciate it. Moment for the for the day. So <laughs> so what are you doing now, man? Where are you at now? Yeah. So where I'm at now, uh, physically located in St. Louis, uh, primary occupation is founder of Sobriety Hub, uh, which is a software tool for for sober living homes. Um, it's basically uh, kind of the only the only software that you need as a sober living operator to keep track of 
you know, everything, drug tests and rent and moods and meetings and all that good stuff. So that, that's been my, uh, my life recently. Well, there's another part of your life too. So you got to tell the whole story because you, you do that, but you also are a student, right? That's correct. Yeah. So I am uh, grad, getting my undergrad uh, at uh, Washington University right now. Um, and I'm actually graduating in about five days here, uh, May. I don't I think, yeah, May 15th, we'll be graduating. I had, you know, as many of us do, kind of an unconventional uh, education process, um, you know, did a couple years, got in some trouble, uh, you know, got into recovery, and then now I'm finally finishing up my degree. So you're right, that is, that is, uh, technically part of my life still, although 99% of my focus has been on sobriety hub. Uh, I, I, congratulations on, on that. And that's an awesome accomplishment. And Washington U is no joke, man, and, and uh, pretty amazing. And, and I guess that's what caused me to want to invite you on after meeting you. I was just so impressed with, you know, you're doing this at such an, a young age and getting some traction. And I just, I, I wanted to know more about how somebody comes from where we come from and and i don't mean lincoln park in chicago or whatever i mean comes from addiction comes from struggle comes from trials and tribulations and finds it in themselves to say i see a silver lining here and i'm gonna make the worst of me into the best of me mm. yeah i was actually talking to my friend about this last night um i think that as a young person in recovery or as anyone in recovery, um, you know, recovery and addiction are like two opposites of the pole, right? And like, <clears throat> you could say recovery is living and, you know, addiction is moving towards death and eventually dying. Um, but recovery is more than living, right? I mean, you know, I think you've experienced this um and many many people have it's a superpower right and um i think that one of the things that's so exciting about addiction recovery is just the potential you know is it hard to get sober yeah it's really hard to get sober but um if people are able to you know latch on to a new solution um that solution becomes a heck of a lot more than just surviving uh, I think it becomes a tool to, you know, do whatever you're passionate about. I mean, the guy I was talking to about this, he's, uh, he wants to become a vegan activist. For me, it's like, I want to do entrepreneurial things. Um, but uh, I think that investing in people's recovery is such a good, you know, quote unquote, return on investment, because those people have the potential to re- um, to substitute all the energy that they put into their addiction into something else. And um, I think it's just like, really, we can operate in two extremes. We, we're either going to do really, really bad, selfish things to an extreme or the exact opposite. You know, it, it's funny you say that. I, I, you're so much more eloquent than I, because I, I, I always said, 
you know, that I just find that there's some really amazing people in recovery. And if you think about the fact that we had to walk around with our brains impacted through these substances and not get hit by cars, you know, and, and live in this world, you've got some pretty amazing people. And if you can just get them clean and then focus them in one direction, you're dealing with, you know, some super strong minds. Um, but, you know, the hard part is, can people get focused and at the right time, because let's don't kid ourselves, you know, some of these things that people do are taking a, a serious toll on their, their cognitive ability and their brains. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, everybody doesn't come out of this in one piece, but for a lot of us, we do. And, and we're able to take those, uh, those hard times and, and turn them around. So, so how did, how did you, you know, you're sitting on a couch one day and you're just like, I should come up with a software that runs sober houses. How did that, where'd that come from? Yeah. I mean, I was, I was working as a house manager on a sober living, um, started off, you know, bottom of the totem pole. It was a, highly structured sober living. So they had 24 hour staff and I was the overnight, uh, overnight house manager. And, um, you know, they had a big filing cabinet, uh, full of, you know, decades of resident information. They had, uh, you know, the meds locked up and they had their UA cups. It was, you know, typical sober living operation. Um, the managers communicated, you know, through email and, and group text mostly. Um, and so I'm sitting there in the middle of the night, like three in the morning, all the residents are asleep. And, um, you know, I have this, uh, this, this addict mind where I'm, you know, kind of, uh, extra energetic, I guess. And so I'm reading about, um, like TikTok data analytics. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing that, you, you know, you can get better data analytics on a TikTok post than you can in, you know, modern day sober living. Hmm. And I was just like, that's messed up, right? Like, uh, sober living is, you know, has the potential to take somebody from, you know, a terrible, uh, desperate existence to a really useful, powerful one. And TikTok is just, you know, a mind sucker of, you know attention um but you know there's no data analytics in um sober living homes at least there didn't seem to be any um just due to the fact that the information was stored on pen and paper and in an unstandardized format so really the original idea was just if we can get sober livings to keep track of their residents information basic information like how long they've been sober you know, demographic info and the outcomes, then we can apply modern data science to that information and finally start to uncover trends about what treatment modalities work. You know, what kind of, um, what are the typical outcomes in this zip code? Does pay, you know, do more expensive sober livings actually yield better outcomes? Um, you know, how does, 12 step, 
you know, work for people in this demographic versus maybe another demographic, you know, smarts better. Who knows? Nobody knows. People kind of suspect what works and you can kind of tell sometimes, but um, I think the exciting thing was just collecting the information in a standardized format that is ripe for data analytics um, so that we can, you know, show with, 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 with evidence, you know, what's actually effective. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to just keep talking and talking and talking here. I hope that's, <laughs> but really the exciting thing, Gerald is, you know, with sobriety hub, if we can demonstrate that sober living reduces the likelihood that a resident has to go to treatment in the future, then we can get insurance slash government entities to subsidize sober living because insurance companies don't want to have to pay for Joe Schmo to go to detox and rehab 30 times throughout his life. They would, they would subsidize a sober living if they thought it materially reduced the probability that that person was going to need more treatment in the future. So that's, that's our vision. Um, so you, no. bring up a, you bring up a great point. I'm going I'm to jump in, in there if you yeah. don't mind it and say, so you use the term, if it works, we don't know what we're all saying when we say it works. Are we, are we saying they stay sober or in recovery, which may or may not include abstinence for six months? Is it a year? Is it the rest of their life? Is it, you know, they don't return to treatment within a year, you know? Um, I mean, it sounds like we've probably got to get into some double-blind studies and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, that's kind of the issue is what is, it works. We get that all the time with, you know, people saying, well, how do you know your recovery coaching and all the, the support that your organization gives outside of the sober home works? I don't know. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure that out. What is, what's our, what's our measure? Yeah. I mean, there, there's like, there's a couple ideas there. I mean, the, I guess the first question that you're kind of posing is like, what does a good recovery outcome look like? Um, like what exactly are we measuring um, in terms of outcomes? And I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I'm by, I am so far from an expert on this stuff. Um, but here's, here's one thing. You know, you and I know, and many other people in the space know that sober, that good sober living, whatever quote unquote good means, that good sober living is good for people by and large. It has a positive net effect. That is true. Yeah. Insurance companies need to have that proven to them before they're going to invest in it. Right. So I think that um, at least if we can be a part of that then that's a good thing, you know, be a part of showing quantitatively that, um, 
you know, people who go to a sober living that meets certain standards are less likely to need treatment in the future. That's what the insurance companies care about. And if we can get insurance companies to um, subsidize or cover sober living, um, then I think that's a good thing. I agree. I agree. I guess, I guess my, my, my biggest issue is that we assume that because insurance companies are covering these different things that they're good. But what we're finding is that there's no one size fits all. And we really need to cater the entire recovery experience, whether that be my path takes me through detox into treatment, into sober living, or I'm going into sober living with an IOP for an extended period of time or some other version. Um, we need to pair that properly with the specific person. And we, we can't do that without, like you said, those, those, those predictors, those outcomes, you know, we know that people in this social economic strata tend to do better when they experience this or the other. We know that men experience this, women experience that. So far, it's just been throw them in a pot and see which get cooked. And, uh, and um, so I'm really interested to hear the, the whole data side of it. But but before we get really deep into numbers like that, you know, who are you? Where'd you come from? And, and how do you end up, you know, I, I heard why you end up making this thing, but, you know, how, 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 were, how did you get to here? Yeah, I mean, b before we, before we get into that, um, I had a thought. I don't want to like appear you know, as if like data science is the answer, right? I mean, I think that especially with addiction and recovery, it, there's always going to be like the human component. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be, you know, at the end of the day, the most important ingredients are in are non are are intangible. Um, and so. You know, I think that this is like I see the the data and the outcomes tracking stuff as really good, like a uh, supplement. But as you and I both know, this is a very complicated problem and it's very unique um, in terms of, you know, everybody's got a unique story and, you know, people are not numbers. Right. Um, so I, I do think I just wanted to mention this, you know. I don't think that the that this solves the problem and, and and nothing close to that, right? It's just a it's just a supplement and a and kind of a boost towards the solution. Um but and I it's think the problem's been solved. I think we know I think we know the solution. The solution is if you can find a way to get people to start the process of making positive changes and then sustain it. I often say it, it's easy to stop using drugs and alcohol. It's hard to stay stopped, right? So we know the solution. The solution is stop using, 
and figure out a way to get your life better. That's the hard part though, right? It, it, what do they say? Simple, but not easy or whatever. You know, it's really straightforward, but actually putting it into action is, is very, very difficult. Right. Yeah. So I think your numbers, I think, though I agree with you that the numbers aren't the whole story. I think they're a big part of it. I think they 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 give us they give us you know they're they're the uh, they're the street signs that tell you how to get where you want to get to. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I like that analogy. the 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 participant and the resources and the support still have to do the driving. Yes, uh, yeah. But they kind of offer some direction. I think that's a great analogy. I'll tell you, we have in our house, I think I told you this once before, we have a system that we were using, ERP Health, I love it, um, where it was giving us a time graph of people's mood or, or how they were ranking certain things in their life. And so how am I ranking family on a scale of one to five? How am I ranking recreation? How am I ranking health? How am I ranking job? And we would have our guys take it every two weeks. And we had one guy that just ended up in, in the, the, you know, he, he ended up having to go back to treatment. It, he was just not, could not do it anymore. To, and to his credit, he came to us and said, hey, I think I'm having some issues. I want to catch this before it gets out, out of hand. But when we went back and looked at his charts, what we saw was, for a few weeks, health, family, recreation, uh, joy were all at the top, but work was at the bottom. And it stayed that way for a while. And then all of a sudden it swapped, mm. right? It, it, it flipped. Work went up and everything else hit the bottom. And we, we said, well, what happened? He said, well, that's when I got a promotion at my job. I went from being a regular guy to being a manager. I got a lot more money. So I was happy when you asked me how it was work. The problem was I'm working 70 hours a week. I haven't seen my friends or family. I feel like I'm gonna fall down and you know, like everything at bottom now. And so we were able to say, okay, well maybe you weren't ready to take that leap at that moment. Maybe you did not have the, the, the the supports that you needed for these other things, or maybe you didn't set boundaries right. And so subsequently he decided that he wanted to work a little less demanding job at the moment because he wanted to focus on establishing and developing his, his, his sober network, i.e. meetings and some other things. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, so the numbers, they mean something if you know how to interpret them and if they're 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 relevant. Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, it's uh, it's classic behavior, right? To to dive into something and you know <laughs> early recovery. Everything else. Yeah. Yes. It just to go to the extreme more, 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 um, and. Um, you know, that's kind of the one caveat to what we were talking about at the beginning here, right? It's like, yeah, you know, you get sober, you've got all this extra energy, but like, 
you know, sometimes we have to say, I, you know, I have to work on this as well. Just like saying no to things or like, you know, leaving, leaving my desk to, to take a walk and, and that self-care stuff, because at the end of the day, if you don't have your own head on straight. You're, you're kind of toast anyway. So. Right. Right. Um, I love, I love that. It's, uh, you know, the humility that you have to have, I, I cannot be, you know, the Steve Jobs of the world and so on and so forth. That's just not who I am. I can, I can be really dynamic, but I don't think that I can just hyper focus for too long. Um, because I will put every, I, I will forget to eat. I will forget that I have a family. I will forget all these other things and, and, and just focus 100% in that direction. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I know I, I dodged your, <laughs> no, no, dodged. no worries. No worries. What, what was the question that I missed? It's just, you know, basically, you know, I guess I was, I was trying to understand like what your definition of recovery in your life is. I mean, why is it that, that this has become your passion project? I mean, you know, what is, what are you trying to get to? I think that I, you know, when I entered recovery and started to have this kind of extra mental energy, um, I just wanted to be entrepreneurial and just so happened that the problem that I found that needed a solution I felt was one in the field of recovery. I don't, um, I wasn't, you know, determined to do something in this field. I was just determined to create something. Um, and, uh, I think that kind of my goal, uh, my dream is just to, you know, be able to, it's the same as a lot of people's, like just work for myself with my friend and make a living and, um, you know, create a service that's reasonably priced and really, really good um, that, you know, has a really, really good kind of uh, social impact and just kind of live my life merrily that way. I mean, um so how's it going Are you selling any yeah i mean we're we're on our way to that um we are we're definitely on our way to that yeah okay. and you haven't mentioned the friend's name you got to give him credit because otherwise he's going to be like super mad at you so yeah so really um if if you know anyone listens to this that's a current sobriety hub customer um my co-founder who you can find on our website his name is uh joey joey Landforsick is a uh he's the man he's he's a uh, recovery advocate he's a quiet guy you know as a lot of technical guys are and um he's got a heart of gold he's it's funny like you know as an addict in recovery we were talking about this early gerald like my um my first thought is not always the best you know, <laughs> right sometimes it's selfish right and um and this guy joey he's not an addict and he's one of these guys who just like his his natural instinct is just like good he's just a good soul and uh he's he's a beast 
you know, anybody who uses um, Sobriety Hub, the core functionality, you can you can thank Joey. Um, he, you know, he works super long days, uh, hasn't gotten paid. Well, he got paid a little bit when he was an intern before he became a, uh, you know, one of the owners. But other than that, he's got paid nothing. <laughs> and um, yeah, extremely grateful for him. Extremely grateful. Well, I can't he, got, he got promoted from intern to owner, but got a pay cut. Isn't that how the world works? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he was getting paid as an intern and then became uh, an owner with me. And um and neither of us get paid. <laughs> At least well, right hey, now. You said something. You said something I love, and I and it, it 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 coincides with something I always tell people is that you know my first thought is not recovered, right? It's my second thought. My first thought upon work walking into a bank is to say, put all the money in a bag, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or you know. To you know, see a woman I like, I want to hit her overhead with the with the tree stump like the caveman. You know, and it's my second thought that says, no, they put people in jail for that. You know, you need to do it the civilized way or, you know, whatever it be. And, and it's just it's funny that in any given situation, if allowed to run on that first thought, I will blow it. I need those people in my life that, that can stop me because I am very impulsive. I am very uh run 100 miles an hour and uh yeah it's just interesting i love when when other people are saying the same thing it lets me know that i'm not crazy <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's like you know last night i came up with a um marketing uh you know an ad like a like an ad for us and i really wanted to put it out there to the world because I was, you know, impulsive. I wanted to get feedback on it. And, um, you know, Joey said to wait and Joey's, Joey's a normie and, uh, he was definitely right. And so I think that, um, <laughs> I, I love addicts. I love addicts in recovery, man, but in, um, relationships, it's, I think it can be good to have both. You know? <laughs> right. We'll say that much. Right. Well, listen, man, we're going to have to close up. So it, it's a pleasure talking to you. I, I really enjoy getting to know you a little better. And, uh, you know, anything I can do to help you, you let me know, man. I'm 100% on your side. So uh, thanks for doing this. Thank you, Gerald. I, I really appreciate it. So that was my conversation with Clay Canfield. Again, just a great guy and, and you know, young man finishing college getting his career started at, in recovery and we couldn't be more proud of him he, he exemplifies what it means to you know, rise up from from our, our addictions and, and make the best of life and you know you can do that as well that's what this whole podcast is about is trying to demonstrate that there is something out there for everyone so if you need help reach out reach out to your local police reach out to your local hospital reach out to your local mental health unit or rco recovery community organization and if you can't find help where you're at then call uh, 779-707-0151 or look us up on our website sbdor.org um, and, and we'll do what we can to help you find some 
somebody in your area. Um, I want to remind everybody that we have quite a few uh, podcasts up on various podcast directories, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, all those. So please go out there and look for us, subscribe to us, recommend us, um, you know, play us loud in your car and drive down the block, you know, whatever you can do, but uh, we appreciate you. I want to thank my staff at Salt Valley Voices of Recovery, um, Sandy, Cassandra, Amanda, Lauren, Robert, Wyatt, uh, Brittany, and I, I, I want to uh, thank Slang Music Group for the music. This show is produced by me, doing my best, so please excuse any uh, any glitches, but uh, thanks to you for listening. Thanks to you for, for being interested in recovery. And uh, just remember that help is out there. We'll see you next week.